Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. live in studio, the very, very talented, mind you, radio host, great, actually, now running for president on our side, Larry Elder, is from California. This is Danny California, one of the great Red Hot Chili Peppers songs. You like this song, Larry? I do like this song. You do like this uh, song. Although I'm more of a Motown kind of guy. You more, oh, Smokey oh, Robinson, the yeah, Miracles, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I love Mar- him, Marvin too. Gaye. Oh, no, I loved him, too. Yeah. Loved him, too. That was a uh, tragic death. Tragic. In you, fact, he uh, was killed not too far from where I live uh, on a, a street called Gage Avenue. His father, as you know, killed him. Yeah, I know. Not too far from where I live. Really? Yeah. That's in uh, what? In, in South Central Los Angeles. South Central yeah. L.A., right, right. Well, Larry, he bought, he bought his parents a house. Yeah. And a- after he kind of had a career setback, he moved in with his mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, and then that's what happened. Yeah. The father wanted more money. Yeah. Uh, thank, you, thank, thank you for beginning the show on that note. Sir. You're welcome. Yeah. And thank you for not calling me the black face of white supremacy. No. Any, any day when I'm not called that is a good day for me. I'm not going to do that uh, <laughs> because a lot of other guys do that. That's right. I try to create my own authentic material. But Larry, of course, a very successful radio talk show host and is now running on the Republican side for president. Now that you brought that up, though, yes, uh, maybe the biggest lie in America today is this issue with white supremacy in fact, I'm going to call it the biggest lie in America today. Uh, I don't see it. I mean, every now and then, yes, I see a crime or a crime that we actually stop, thank God, before it happens. Right. But we have a lot of crime in this country that takes place every day. And very, very, very few are committed by white supremacists. Would you mm-hmm. agree that's one of the big lies today? It's a huge big lie. And you know what, Sid? I used to think that Al Sharpton was the biggest race hustler in America. I no longer think that. Now it's Joe Biden. He goes to Howard University and says the number one threat to the homeland is white supremacy. Are you kidding me? The Anti-Defamation League keeps track of how many people are killed uh, by, by extremists, whether right or not. And 25 people last year were killed by extremists. By contrast, in 2020, 10,000 black homicide victims, almost all killed by other blacks. A young black man aged 10 to 43 said is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a young white man, same demo. And they ain't being killed by white supremacists. They ain't being killed by whites. Like you, know, you said, the majority being killed by their own people. 60% of the homicides, the robberies, and the shootings in America yeah. are committed by black people, often against black people. And said, unless you're prepared to say black people are genetically inclined to commit crime, you have to ask yourself what the devil is going on. What the devil is going on is the breakdown of the nuclear intact family that the left has done with their so-called war on poverty no to the point now where 70% of black kids into the world without a father in the That's home it. married to the mother. That's it. And listen, there's other things that happen. Music, I think, is an issue. I really do. Uh, dress, you know, pull your pants up. 
uh, opportunity. There's no question. But the fatherless family is the absolute main reason why these kids go astray. No question. And in, on the music thing, I mean, think about all the rap music. Primarily, these are bought by white kids in the suburbs. They're not doing drive-by shootings. They're not calling their, their parents uh, Bs and Hs. True. It's breakdown of the family. And the stats are clear. Five times more likely to be poor and commit crime. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. And 20 times more likely to end up in jail if you're raised without a dad. You know, before you ran for president, just so you know, Larry, uh, my partner Bernard was still alive. He joined us a couple of times when right. Bernie was here. Right. And uh, that, that Laos Gavin Newsom who I still believe has the best chance to win the Democrat side because Biden's not going to make it, and he's the next in line. They uh, they had the runoff in the state for governor, and you got involved in that. And we would come on the air every day and go, come on, man, get right. Larry that win. Right. Right. It didn't go your way, but clearly it didn't disappoint you enough not to run for president. Sid, I had never run for anything before other than third-grade class president. Before you ask, <laughs> yes, I did win that race. I'm betting 500. I got into the race. There were 45 rivals on the replacement side. I got more votes than virtually all of them combined, 3.5 million. Uh, California had 58 counties. On the replacement side, I carried 57 to 58. The only one I lost was San Francisco by a whopping 149 votes. Uh, I got in with eight Wait, weeks left. even in San Francisco, you lost uh, by less than 150 uh, uh, votes? On the replacement Those side. Those liberal animals? On the replacement side. Okay, right. Uh, right. And um, in 27, uh, in eight weeks, I got in with only eight weeks left. I raised $27 million, more than the other 45 rivals combined. It was a killer race. They were scared to death for a while. The recall part was in the margin of errors. And in comes Obama, in comes, Obama, in comes Harris, in comes uh, Joe Biden. I got outspent by seven or eight to one. He had to spend 50% more to keep his job than he did to, uh, to get his job. They were scared to death. So by any way you look at it to me, it was an extraordinarily successful race. You know, this is not an uh, indication of who you are because I'm on record many times saying how impressive you are. Brilliant guy, smart guy. Uh, you should see me naked. <laughs> hey, listen, what are you doing at about 2 o'clock this afternoon? <laughs> you should see me naked, by the way. You think RFK is good real. Wait, what do you see? What do you <laughs> no, see my pants? No, I know you're in great shape. <laughs> so you got to vote for this guy. Right. Um, but on a serious note, when we talk about this presidential race, and I'm guilty of this too, just so you know, I love Larry Elder. You know, I love uh, a bunch of guys running this. I don't love Mike Pence. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but a few of the guys I really do like, I like Tim Scott a lot. Right. But listen, as far as I'm concerned, it's the Donnie and Ronnie race. There are two guys who have a legitimate chance to win. I'm being honest with you. And they're both in New Hampshire today, Trump and DeSantis. That doesn't mean anything because I believe that. Right. But when you hear that, I know you hear it often. Of course. Is that disheartening or do you not care? No, no. Here, here's how I look at it, Sid. I know that Donald Trump is nominatable. My question is whether he is electable. There are so many swing voters in swing states. You just who, said my question, who, though. You're not making the statement that he's not. Who, there's so many swing voters in swing states who would not vote for the man if he walked on water. I have no idea what to do about Trump derangement syndrome. Maybe someday they'll develop a vaccine. But until then, we've got a problem, and that problem is called electability. And what I do is ask people when I'm campaigning, Sid, the following questions. Have you lost friends because of Donald Trump? Best man at my wedding, he and I can't talk anymore because of Donald Trump. Really? Are you walking on eggshells at work because of Donald Trump? Have you have now strained relations with relatives and family members because of Donald Trump? If the answer is yes, Houston, we've got a problem. And that problem is electability. And I feel that they're going to gang up on him, do the same crap that they pulled on him in 2020 to the point where a sufficient number of swing voters will not vote for the man. And we have another four years of Biden and Harris. And we can't afford that. If I thought otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I love what he did as president. I'm an America first, uh, make America great again kind of guy. 
uh, on borders, on what he did on, on judges, what he did on taxes, on regulations, on energy independence. He was extraordinarily gifted president, and he'll do a great job if he comes back. And if he gets nominated, I will support him and campaign for him as I did in 2016 if asked to do so. I just feel that he is not electable for the reasons that I mentioned. No, it's fair. That is fair what you just mentioned. I, I tend to disagree because I'm in the bag. You can't trust me. But <laughs> but but you uh, supported him all the way. Right. You admit that he was a very good president. So there's no real fracture in the relationship. You oh, just not, think not, from a voting standpoint, he may not be able to win. That's how I feel. That's how I see it. If okay. I felt otherwise, you and I would not be having this conversation. So when you go I gave up my there, TV show. I gave up my radio show. Right. I gave up my column. And I'm not flush. I'm not like Vivek or like Trump. This is costing me money. <laughs> right. I'm doing this because I care about the country, and I feel I have something to contribute, and I know i got something to say. So when you go out there mm-hmm. and somebody says, well, Larry, uh, answer this for me. Trump was so good at what he did. What are you going to do differently? You're basically going to say, really not much, but the difference is you can elect me and you can't elect him. That's the, that's the thing. I'm going to do what he did on the walls, what he did on borders, what he did on energy independence, what he did on taxes. Uh, he was he was uh, pro uh, pro. Uh, uh, School choice uh, in education. There's a crisis in education in urban America. You know this, Sid. Fifty-three public schools in Chicago. Zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level. Thirteen public high schools in Baltimore. Zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level. Eighty-five percent of black eighth graders nationwide can neither read nor do math at grade level. Half can't even do basic reading, which means a substantial number of black kids in America are functionally illiterate. And Donald Trump pushed school choice. I will do so as well. The other issue becomes race. You know, Obama was president. He was going to save the world, black man, and it got worse. Yep. Ferguson, Missouri, Freddie Gray in Baltimore. Don't forget, folks, BLM was born under Barack Obama, not Donald Trump. That's right. And then Joe Biden comes along, and I feel like it's Barack Obama double. Why is it that these Democrats yell and scream about black people, and yet the race issue becomes significantly worse. You know the answer. The answer is they want black people to be thinking about social justice or equity, however you define that, as opposed to crime, as opposed to bad schools, as opposed to economics, because they want to get black people angry because they know that if they can get black people distracted, they'll pull that lever 90 95% for the the Democratic Party, without which they cannot win at the top level. Obama made things worse. When he entered the Oval Office, he had a 70% approval. Think about that. He only got elected with 52%. How is it that you walk into the Oval Office never having done anything and suddenly 18% now support you, didn't support you before? I was one of those guys. Look, I'm a Republican. I voted against him. But then I saw him and his wife and his two beautiful daughters walking down the street, a black man. I said, you know what? Go get him. And the answer is because you thought it would put a fork to the notion that America is systemically racist. At the very least, he'll do that. And for eight years, the Cambridge police acted stupidly. If I had a son, he looked like Trayvon, embraced Black Lives Matter. Hal Al Sharpton in the White House over 70 times. Had, a, had an AG, Eric Holder, who said that America was perniciously racist. Said in an interview, Obama did, that uh, racism is in America's DNA, to the point where both blacks and whites thought race relations got worse after he left. That's what this man did. I know I'm a black person. And as a president who is black, I will do the opposite of what, uh, what Obama was hired to do. One was hired to make us come together racially. I will do that by giving the information, giving the facts. I believe that Republican candidate for president, uh, my friend Larry Elder, here in uh, in studio. You mentioned two words that I have a difficult time defining. I'm not the smartest guy. I'm very entertaining, but not the smartest guy. I get that. <laughs> but you, you said um, uh, systemic racism. Yes. And oftentimes I'll bring on African-American folks, friends of mine, great by, people. By, by the way, that's a term I never use. Okay, good. A- a- African-American. 
I'm an American who is black. Oh, you sound like the, Morgan the, Freeman. He gets mad too, Morgan or, or, Freeman. Or, or, or Smokey Robinson. Google but, Smokey Robinson yeah. and African Americans to stand back. Okay, it's, so, it's a ridiculous term. I was born in Los Angeles. My father was born in Georgia. My father's never been to Africa. I have. My dad has it. I am an American who is black. I have never in my life used the term African American. Oh, I'm just saying. Good, good for you. Good. Yeah. This is great. I love this guy. Uh, so you're a black guy, and uh, you got to <laughs> explain to me what those two words mean. Systemic racism. Yes, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, an accusation that at one time had merit. I mean, obviously there was Jim Crow, there was KKK, uh, there was back of the bus, but not today in 2023. Well, how are they, how are they uh, explaining to us how it applies today? Well, what, they, what they say, for example, is institutions like the police are systemically racist, and what's, what, what it's causing is something called the Ferguson effect, Sid, or the George Floyd effect. Cops are pulling back. They're not engaging in proactive policing. Even Rahm Emanuel, the then uh, mayor of Chicago, said the police had, quote, gone fetal, meaning they weren't engaging in proactive policing. And as a result, there are people all over the country who are now dead, who otherwise wouldn't be dead if the police were doing their normal proactive policing. If Lowry wins in 2024 and you get inaugurated, your first day on the job, what's the first thing you do? Do you open a pipeline? What do you do on the very first day? First thing I do on the job is to reverse the uh, oil and gas hostility that Joe Biden did. Uh, he stopped drilling on federal property. He shut down Keystone Pipeline. I'm going to green light that. The stuff would be the first day. Secondly, I'm going to f- finish the wall. We got the money already. It was being built. It was stopped in this tract after Biden got. I'm not uh, even sure got, got it's, it's legal to stop that. I'm not even sure that's legal among the million illegal I, I, things that I, Biden's I, I, have done. I, I don't think it was illegal, but he, right. stopped, he stopped it. Yeah. yeah, I know. So that's great. That's a great start. Oil and then uh, finish the wall because the majority of our problems here, including here in New York, the migrant issue and your state, California, goes right back to the wall. Finish the damn wall. Finish the wall. Right? right. Then Eric Adams' and, job and, is easier. And, and, and reinstate the other policies that Donald Trump had, the Remain in Mexico policy. Right. Stop this catch-and-release nonsense. Arrest people who enter the country illegally. When you arrest them, you can deport them. If you put them in the, in the interior, uh, give them a little court date, you never see them again. Now, here's going to be an issue for you. This is going to be very tough for you. All right. My friend Trump says to everybody every day, he started with, I'll end the Ukraine-Russia conflict in a day. Okay? Now, this weekend, he goes, forget about that. I'll end it before I even get back to the Oval Office. <laughs> How does Larry Elder beat that? Well, obviously, we wouldn't be having this conversation about this if it hadn't been for the way Joe Biden pulled out of Afghanistan. Uh, that inspired Putin. It inspired Xi Jinping in China. It's inspiring the Ayatollahs. It's inspiring North Korea. So that's the first thing. Once you have a weak-kneed uh, commander-in-chief that believes in, in strength through peace as opposed to peace through strength, you got problems. Uh, look, Putin has already lost this war. Most of the experts, including those I saw on Fox, thought the war was going to end in a few days, maybe a few weeks, and Putin would win. This is now the second year. He's lost about 20 generals, most of them on the battlefield. He's lost anywhere from 80,000 to 200,000 men, uh, depending upon what number you meet. He's already lost the thing. And, of course, there was an attempted coup recently. He wants an off-ramp. We ought to put pressure on both sides to give him that. What about China? I don't know, you know, Trump did a decent job. Very, very good did, job. did a great job with right. China. Right. Uh, and the last thing we need is to push people into EVs, making us even more dependent upon, upon communist China. They're the ones that are supplying the so-called rare earth mineral to go into the batteries of lithium, the cobalt, the nickel. The idea that we should be more dependent upon China because of EVs is asinine. We need to decouple our dependence on China. We get pharmaceuticals from them, other consumer goods from them. We should be manufacturing that stuff here stateside. And let China know if they aggress against Taiwan, there's going to be an economic penalty that they got to pay. And plus the fentanyl coming across in our country outrageous. and killing our kids every outrageous. day. Outrageous. Right? Outrageous. Right? Outrageous. Another yep. issue. Another issue. So when you look at the all the things you just mentioned, and there's a lot there that needs to be fixed, right, guys? I mean, a lot there. What did I leave out? 
that you would fix, Larry Elder, that's not going well now? Again, the epidemic of fatherlessness. A 70% well, of black How do you fix kids, that? Well, first of all, all these kids running around without dads need to have somebody in their lives. Uh, I liken it uh, to, to AA, where everybody who's recovering alcoholic has a sponsor. Every one of these kids ought to have a sponsor. My name is Sidney R. I am a recovering addict. There, there are... There are uh, baby boomers my age yep. who are retiring or who, who have retired. They're vigorous. They're healthy. Uh, they've got wisdom. Uh, they've got energy, and they've got time. They ought to be involved. Uh, and we ought to be able to direct our tax dollars that go for welfare programs to programs in our own neighborhoods, churches, synagogues, mosques in our own neighborhoods to mentor these kids. There are people like my pastor, Jack Hibbs, of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. They're literally going door-to-door mentoring people. I saw somebody here in New York from, from Calvary Chapel just the other day, and he's here going door-to-door mentoring people who do not have fathers in their lives. And that comes from the bully pulpit to encourage people to do that. It's not a government solution. In fact, government made it work, made it worse. Government is the one that, that created this nuclear meltdown of the family. You know, on a um, more local uh, story, mm-hmm. here in New York, the homeless situation is out of control. Out of control. I'm on the subways every day. It's bad. They're in the streets. But I recently shot a movie in Los Angeles, and I was in shock looking at the tents. Now they're in really nice neighborhoods just outside Beverly Hills, even, I think, it's south of San Diego. So now our two biggest states, which, of course, are run poorly because of Democrats, Democrat governors, Democrat mayors. You had Garcetti, who's uh, as bad as de Blasio, and you've got Newsom. Uh, What do we do about that on a local level to fix some of this homeless problem? Sid, you have to make a decision that homeless people cannot sleep on the streets. Right. It is a health problem. It is a criminal problem. I am told that every female homeless person has been raped at least once. The only question is how many times. And if there is a bed for these homeless people, they shall go. If they don't go, they either go to rehab or they go to jail. And if you're not prepared to do that, we're going to have this problem forever. Whenever I say that, somebody from the ACLU or somebody like that uh, threatens to file a lawsuit, and then it's reversed because they think it's cruel. It's cruel to allow people to sleep on the the streets like that. It uh, lowers property values. It has all sorts of ancillary effects. People are leaving New York. People are leaving L.A. People are leaving Chicago. People are leaving San Francisco. Businesses are leaving. In the Bay Area, they're walking away with their leases. Still got mortgages on. Saying to the bank, you take it. I got to go. It's got to stop. We have to make a decision that it shall not happen. Uh, it is a violation of the law to have people sleeping in public places like that. Virtually every city has a law against it. It's not being enforced. One more for you. Our veterans, uh, they continue to be disrespected right. despite what the government says. What would Larry Elder do to make sure that's not the case? Increase the money for veterans. Uh, look, they're heroes. My father was a World War II vet. He's in the Marines. My older brother, Kirk, was in the uh, Navy during the wow. Vietnam era. My little brother, Dennis, was in the Army. He went to Vietnam. By the way, I'm the only one who didn't serve, and I don't feel good about that. Sid. That's one of the reasons I'm running. I feel that I, I have an obligation and a responsibility morally and re- religiously to give back to my country. That's why I'm doing this. But our veterans need to be supported. We have all this money for COVID. $400 billion, I understand, was wasted, stolen. We don't have enough money to take care of our veterans. Outrageous. Outrageous. I have to tell you, even if you don't win this, worst case scenario, you don't win, okay? And you're, you're a great guy, impressive, smart. I love you. I swear to God I do. If you don't win, there's got to be a spot for you somewhere because you need to serve this country. We need minds like yours. The only way we'll get out of this mess, this is a mess. It's a mess mess domestically. It's a mess internationally. This is really bad. In my lifetime, I was here in 79 with Jimmy Carter. This is worse. Can't go back to 68 Nixon, but this is worse. We need minds like you in government, whether you win the presidential nomination or the election or not. 
you need to serve this country. If I don't win, Sid, at the very least, I will put front and center the issue that we're talking about, fatherlessness, the lie that America is systemically racist, the acute need for school choice in urban America. I've done, I've done executive produced two documentaries, one called Uncle Tom, one called Uncle Tom 2. It will change the country if people see those documentaries. Where can you see those? Go on YouTube. Uncle, uh, or How long would you make those? Uncle Tom, UncleTom.com is the website. I made them about uh, – both of them were made in the last four years. No kidding. The first one talks about how black people kept moving forward after slavery in the wake of KKK, in the wake of Jim Crow. Why? Because it was rare for a black kid to be born outside of wedlock. A belief in entrepreneurship, a belief in Judeo-Christian values, a belief in patriotism, even as America was not applying those values to America. The sequel talks about how the civil rights movement has been co-opted by Marxists, by collectivists, by those who want to uh, redistribute income, by people like the uh, Black Lives Matter people. They were founded by self-described trained Marxists. Marx did not believe in God, wanted to dethrone God, did not believe in capitalism, did not believe uh, in private property. So the very things that allow black people to keep moving forward are under attack right now. 1940, 87% of blacks lived under the poverty line. 1960, 20 years later, that number had fallen to 47%. A 40-point drop in 20 years. The, the 20 years of the greatest uh, economic expansion for black Americans in history, for all the reasons I mentioned, belief in God, belief in family, belief in Judeo-Christian values, all of which are now under assault. I've done a book about the importance of fatherlessness. It's a memoir about my dad and me. My dad and I didn't talk for almost 10 years for reasons that really are kind of stupid in retrospect. The book is called Dear Father, Dear Son, Two Lives, Eight Hours. The, hard co- the paperback is called A Lot Like Me. If people read that, it will change their attitude about the importance of fathers, and it will change their attitude about their own father and their own and how they, how they become fathers. I also have a book about my race in California, what the left has done. We have supermajorities of Democrats in the Senate and in the Assembly. It's called As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save America. My goals are modest. So if people were to, were to, were to consume these products, Uncle Tom 1, Uncle Tom 2, uh, a, a, lot, a lot like me, uh, and also the book that I've done, I believe it will change things. And so along the campaign, I'm going to encourage people to do that. Not because I want to make money. In fact, I'm losing money. I had a TV show. I had a radio show. I had a, a column. 80 different outlets. I've, I've given it all twice, one time to run for governor and one time to run for president because I want to give back to my country. That's why I'm doing this. And I'm not flushed like Vivek. I'm not flushed like Donald Trump. I still got bills. I still got a mortgage. I love you. I really do. Larry Elder, I wish you the best of luck. This was a great 27 minutes, and I think you opened a lot of New Yorkers' eyes. Who otherwise, know a little bit about you, you know, radio right. stuff and but, man, you are and, a, a really And please go great. to my website, elderforpresident.com. Throw something in the chat. Is that the jar. number four or F-O-R? Elder, F-O-R. Okay. And because I've got to raise 40,000 individual donations in order to qualify for that first debate in Milwaukee, said, and they, the, the amount can be as small as $1. So throw something in the tip jar. Get me the 40,000 individual donations so I can become eligible for that debate in Milwaukee. And as I said, once I get up there, it's game on. Oh. Hold my beer. You're tough. They've never seen anything like <laughs> no, me. No, what, I haven't. What, what, did, what did Jack Nicholson say in Batman? When did they get a load of me? <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. Uh, elder for president, folks. Go there right now. The word for F-O-R. Elder for president. Help out my friend Larry Elder and his run. Just a really impressive guy, smart guy, great American, and an absolute great choice, whether it's him or Trump or DeSantis or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. I don't care. Larry Elder deserves to be on stage. Go to Elder for President and do it today.